this out. and starting to deal with the five-fold ministry. Now, the five-fold ministry to the church is found in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 11. And we're going to go ahead and read that. But I just want to uh, tell you that Pastor Paul Vincent from uh, River of Life Church here in Georgetown is with us today. And he's going to be with us for the next few episodes because what we're going to do is we want to get into this fivefold ministry. We want to talk about all of these particular ministry slash offices to the church and how important they are. And another thing is, is how are they being done properly? And if not, what is the scriptural, biblical way that they should be accomplished? So, <clears throat> so we're that we're going to be doing that today. So, uh, good morning, Pastor Paul. Well, it's good to be here again, Steve. Looking forward to the discussion, and uh, hopefully, we can uh, provide a foundation. Yes, yes. Okay. So let's. I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture, and then we're going to break it down here. So let's. We begin in Ephesians four, beginning in verse eleven. He says, and he gave some, and he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ." Now, I'm going to stop right there, and we may, I don't know if there's other verses there that, that follow that we want to look at, but I, I kind of want to break it down. <clears throat> and in verse 11, he talks about, and he gave some, and let's list them, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There's five. Now, when we talk about fivefold ministry, we're talking about these particular um, categories or individuals or offices or uh, because the thing is we, we, we say they're ministries or offices but they're both so we need to uh, kind of establish that and the purpose of those uh, of those individuals or those ministries is for the perfecting of the saints 
for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then I want to jump down real quick to verse 14, because I think this gives us a, a, a warning. Uh, these, are, these, these ministries are so important that we, as, uh, we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. But uh, by the slight of men, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now, it's great to have a Christian that actually wants to grow up. And uh, the thing is, is that it says children tossed to and fro, being tossed about with every wind of doctrine. So when I look at this, I see, Pastor, I see a real importance of these ministries so that we can actually be pretty much sound doctrine. I mean, every wind of doctrine, we're not blown about and uh, and uh, kind of led astray, it almost uh, gives a, a, a credence to their cunning craftiness whereby people, they lay in wait to deceive. Uh, so in other words, if you don't want to be deceived, you got to know the word. You got to know the proper doctrine. And if you know the proper doctrine, well, God equipped the church with these offices slash ministries. So pastor, go ahead and kind of give us your take on this a little bit. Well, you know, we were discussing uh, earlier that, uh, when we were talking about these ministry gifts, the question is, in what relation are they to the to the church? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and the only way that you could interpret this passage of scripture in Ephesians four is in the context of the church at Ephesus. I yes. mean, that's who he's writing to. Yes. I mean, he's writing to that church. Mm -hmm. So everything he's talking about deals with the local church. Uh, another way to say it is that whether you're you, whether we're talking about an, an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, mm -hmm. uh, especially if we're talking about offices, you know, um, everything flows from the local church. That which does not flow from the local church is out of order. Yes, and uh, and and that's not to say that that uh, you know that that people cannot have ministries of an apostle uh, or a prophet, but. But the thing is, if, if it's not connected to and comes from the local church, then that's a problem. And we have a, a template for that mm -hmm. in Acts 13. And, uh, and right over here, it says they were, in the, they, were at, uh, they were at Antioch in the church that there were prophets and teachers. Mm -hmm. And he goes on and lists the different people. Of those prophets and teachers, uh, now remember, this is the church at Antioch. Yeah, and uh, one of them is Barnabas, and we'll find him in the Book of Acts later. And uh, in fact, Barnabas is the one that went and got Saul, that we will later know as the Apostle Paul, went and got him at Tarsus, went brought him to the church at Antioch. Yeah, and uh, and and here they are. They're they're having somewhat of a prayer meeting. Uh, it says uh, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. So somebody gave the word. You know, yeah, uh, and that is, uh, you know, uh, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them. But if you study that out, what do uh, Barnabas and Saul? And we're just gonna call him Paul because everybody's more familiar with that. Mm -hmm. uh, every time they go on a missionary journey, what do they do? They go back to the church at Antioch. 
Yeah. They're always going back to the church at Antioch every time. And uh, that's because that ministry of the prophet and then eventually the apostolic ministry was all flowing out of the local church at Antioch. So uh, if I'm hearing you right, is that these ministries should flow and should uh, tie into the local church. Yes. Okay. I mean, cool. if, we're, if we're going to apply proper hermeneutics. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's what we want to do. I mean, we we want it to be scriptural. We want it to 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 be exactly what God is trying to tell us here, and, and follow what He's trying to tell us. Now, uh, when you're talking about, um, oh, it uh, it just brought to mind that is uh, out of the local church. I remember my wife and I, Adina and myself, we we traveled for many years as evangelists. And we were traveling, we were ministering in different churches. But one thing that we always knew as an evangelist is that those preachers, if you're going to a church or wherever you're going to go, they are going to ask the question, what local church do you go to? I mean, what's your, what's your home church? Yeah, it's a valid question. It's a valid question. What, what, because you needed to be tied in. Uh, a lot of times when we're... Uh, you know, we're Assembly of God, okay? And uh, we're here at the Assemblies of God. And the thing is, is that they, uh, you know, if you're an evangelist, a minister, or what have you, the 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 minister has to go through a three-phased, well, I think it's three or maybe more. But I, actually, you get your papers, your Christian workers' papers, I think it's in the Assemblies. They may have changed it now, but that's what it used to be. Yeah. Christian workers, license, and License, the and then the ordination. Yeah. And first of all, number one, you had to be tied into an organization because what uh, they don't want, bottom line, if you, if, if, you, if somebody's out there listening and say, well, I, I feel like I'm led to be an evangelist or whatever. Okay, that's great. But number one, you have to be tied into a, 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 you know, a, an organization, whether the Assemblies of God or Church of God or whatever, but because people want to know that you are, have sound doctrine. You're not some whack job, and I'm sorry I'm being a little bit with my, the terminology, but you some wacko that's going to go out there and teach them some weird doctrine or try to preach some weird doctrine to them. And that's valid. It is absolutely valid. The other thing is, is are you in a local church? Yes. And uh, I think over the years, and I, I have heard I've heard people talk like this, and ministers or what have you, is that they don't, you know, uh, they don't put a real emphasis on being a member in a local church, yet they're evangelists. They want to go travel about to church or what have you and go minister here and minister there, uh, but they're not tied into a local church. Yeah, and, the, if, you, and if you don't have, and the reason why that's a problem and, uh, and it can be self-evident with what we're seeing today uh, in all kinds of ministries, you mm -hmm. know, you know, and uh, and that is you get into all kinds of weird teachings because you don't have any accountability. Mm -hmm. You don't have anybody to uh, say, hey, would you show that to me in the Bible? Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, and by the way, uh, well, I'll give you an example. Uh, when, when I left the, the church there at uh, Dayspring, Mm -hmm. in Santa Fe, and uh, and I moved here to Georgetown, and I wasn't the pastor of the church at that time. So for two years, what I did 
is that I would just speak, you know. And sure. by the way, I wasn't functioning as an evangelist. I wouldn't have called myself that. Okay. What I was doing is I was functioning as a pastor. I might not be pastoring a local church, but that gift is still there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also as a teacher. Uh, and so I would get invitations to come and speak in, in different places. Uh, one particular place that I went and preached at, um, I, I don't remember how I said it, but I just said, it's really great being here. He said, you know, uh, I'm a part of the uh, local church, uh, River of Life Church in Georgetown, Texas. Uh, Tim Weed was a pastor then. I said, Tim is my pastor. Yeah. And, uh, and so we're intricately involved, and when we're not traveling and we're not doing that, that's where we're at. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing, and and I didn't think anything about it. I, I just thought that's what you're supposed to do, and uh, and after the service, and and I think uh, we went out to eat somewhere. Uh, no, no, I, I take it back. He the, the pastor said this from the pulpit uh, because I was going to preach there Sunday morning. I think on a Sunday night, and uh, and he sat there and he said it is so refreshing to have someone come into the pulpit that actually goes to church somewhere and has wow. a home church. Wow. He said, he looked at me, he said, you have no idea, Pastor, how many people that want to come and preach here and they don't have a local church. They're not from a local church. They're mm-hmm. not in a local church in any form, fashion, or whatever. And I now I didn't say anything to wow. him. As I, I wanted to say to him, that why in the world would you have him come and preach behind your pulpit? <laughs> that was the first thing, but that wasn't my business, you know, to say. But, uh, yeah. but, but, but you know, that's sort of the, the way it is. And, and, you know, and that's the way we are, too. I mean, we had the, uh, 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 you know, the Silvermans here, Deacon and Joy Silverman. Yeah. And you know what? They have a local church out there in the Dallas area that they attend faithfully. Yes. When they're not traveling, that's what they're doing, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and that's why that they are they have such a valid ministry every time I've had them anywhere. Sure, and that is that they their ministry resonates to the people because they're part of them. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you 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 know when something's out of order and when it's in order. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, which is a good a good example, good uh, good. Uh, 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 example that you gave there. Um, and I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce the term renegade. And we're going to be using that. We're going to use that term renegade in several aspects here as we go through this teaching. A renegade is somebody who's just up and they want to go do it. They want to be a prophet or they want to be a uh, uh, an apostle or a, or, or a teacher or evangelist or what have you, but they have no grounding. No. They're all, they're just go off on their own. And frankly, that would raise my suspicions if I was a pastor, which I'm not. And, uh, but at the same time, uh, that would raise my suspicions if they wanted to do that. And most likely, like you said, why would you have them in your pulpit? Okay. So I tell you what, it's really, there's a lot of subject area here. So what I want to do is I want to turn back. And let's go, today's purpose is to go as an overview of the fivefold ministries. Um, so what I'm, we're going to do, let's go down the list here. And Pastor, I'm going to ask you, what is an apostle? What is an apostle? Well, uh, just from a purely biblical, it's a sent out one. 
Uh, and and, and we, that uh, Acts 13, you know, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit separate unto be Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called them. And then what do they do? They sent them out. Okay. That That is an apostolic call. Now, at that point, uh, they weren't standing in that office. They were either a prophet or a teacher mm-hmm. or possibly both. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but at that point, that's where they... The, the reference apostle starts coming in. Sure. And, uh, you know, as far as their ministry goes, and uh, and, and what would a, what was a, the apostle? What was a, that gifting for? Well, it was to go out in places where there were not churches, and they would establish churches. So in some ways, they would do the work of an evangelist. So an apostle almost is like an umbrella sure. because you've got to preach the gospel to people that's never heard it. Mm-hmm. Then you've got to do some pastoral work of discipling people and uh, appointing elders, and and so that that's what uh, Paul and, and, and Barnabas did, and uh, and then later on their ministries team split up, and Paul and Silas, and then the other people he traveled with, and then Barnabas with uh, Mark, mm-hmm. and uh, and they continued the work that way. But that's why they, they're sent out. So okay, so when I think apostles, I think uh, well, Jesus had twelve apostles, yeah. right? And we talk about that, and we know that as we read history, biblical history, that every one of those, once there was a scattering in Jerusalem in that area, that all of these apostles went out to different locations all over the world, for that matter, as they they went, went out. And then what you ended up doing is you saw them starting a work. I'm, I'm just going to use that that term, a work in one area, say like they would go to India or they would go to um, Calcutta or they would go to some place and they would say, well, there's no churches out there. We're getting, number one, we're spreading this gospel, but we need a work there. And as they went there, they established the church because that, or, or the body of Christ in that area, the church. And so the, the, and like you said, I think a lot of that comes into teaching because, or it comes into play because uh, there may have been a need for prophetic. There may have been a need for uh, evangelism, of course, you know, like the Bible uh, says in Acts that the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. And, uh, and then there's of course the pastor or the shepherd, and he would have to appoint the pastor who's going to be taking over and shepherding these people and then teaching. You're going to have teachers in there to teach them the doctrine and all of that. And, and so. there is a, there is a train of thought and it's not exactly, Oh, I don't know. I mean, it, like I said, that pastor teacher, is that a gift all by itself or is it two separate gifts? I mean, because every pastor needs to be a teacher. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I you know, and that's tragic when you don't have that. But but yeah. what but what I what I'm saying is that you know, and I've heard from people that it's actually fourfold ministry gift or fivefold. Either way it goes, somebody's got to be a teacher. You know, yeah, the pastor slash teacher, yeah, I think, is yeah, you know. something like that. And well, you know, the thing is, you know, if you are if you are a verbal plenary inspiration believer in the yes. in the Bible, that God puts when the words in the original context, mm-hmm. the original book, were put there exactly where they should go. Yes, you'd look at this passage here and understand. And some apostles, some prophets, 
some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Yeah, it doesn't say some pastors, some teachers. Yeah. And that's why that little thing comes into play there. Yeah. Uh, you know, just think about the teacher just for a second. What is the biblical definition of a deacon? A deacon is someone who serves and also is able to Apt teach. to teach, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So if you got deacons that can't teach, well, are they real deacons? In exactly. biblical sense. And, uh, and, and that's, that's something to think about right there. You know, so uh, it doesn't mean they have to be a teacher, but they should be able to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, when, you, when you're talking about pastors and teachers, it bring, brings to thought, have you ever, if anybody has ever, I have worked in, in pl- different places for a regular job. And so what, what they would do, <clears throat> because uh, the, the powers that be would bring a person in to be the supervisor who had no understanding mm-hmm. of the area and what you're doing, right. what they're trying to do there. Uh, I'm a programmer, and that's I've said that several times. Other people probably know that I'm a programmer, and they bring us a, a supervisor in there that has no programming experience. They're a professional supervisor. Well, and the Bible here does not mean you're a professional pastor. You need to know how to teach, like you were yes, saying. Yeah. You have to be able to teach. So, uh, but anyway, uh, you know that's. Okay, so that's an apostle. Apostle goes in, he establishes a church. Let's just try to keep it kind of simple for now. And he goes in, he establishes the work in a specific area uh, where he goes. Now, missionaries. Uh, that, is an, that is an apostolic gift. Yes. Because they're sent out. They're sent okay. out through the local church. Yeah. And, uh, and we support a great number of missionaries. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and so that's... Uh, that and every missionary has a local church they attend, uh, like the missionaries that were sent out, and uh, they had to go do a itinerating or itinerating. Yeah, I don't remember that. But you know, McKenzie and uh, what's his name? I never can remember his name. The the missionaries they 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 were in our local church when mm-hmm. they weren't doing their stuff. That's where they were. They yes. were here every service. And, uh, and then when they sent out, you know, even though there's many churches that are supporting them, yes, we are their church. Yes. Yeah. So that's, see, it, you know, it, there's, and again, that foundation, that grounding in the local church is very important. I'm, uh, and I think we're, uh, hopefully we're getting that across. Now let's take a look at this next one. Prophet. What's a prophet? Well, I mean, I, I think it needs to be distinguished here. A prophet in the New Testament is not the same as a prophet in, in the Old, Old. Testament. Yeah. And, and for one valid reason, uh, the only people that had the Holy Spirit were either a prophet, a priest, or a king. You know, uh, no, we didn't, they didn't have, and even they didn't have the Spirit like a believer does today, yeah. but as far as the Spirit coming upon them. And so when you were in the Old Testament, you, if you wanted to get a word from God, you pretty much had to get it from the prophet. In other words, a prophet would speak to the nation the mouth of God. and speak to the, the king. Lord. He might speak to whatever. Yeah. And there's all kinds of illustrations of that in the uh, in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And every book that we have in the Old Testament was written by a prophet. Mm-hmm. So they were a spokesman for God in that sense. In the New Testament, that is not the case. Um, you know, John the Baptist is the last Old Testament prophet that we ever had. Mm-hmm. And if you notice, he's not much of a foretelling prophet as, uh, you know, uh, as far as telling the future, he's more 
giving the 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 understanding that the Messiah sure. coming, you know what I mean, in that sense. Uh, calling people back to repentance, uh, which is primary what an Old Testament prophet would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the New Testament, we don't see that. We don't see anybody going to the prophet to get a word. Mm-hmm. In fact, that doesn't seem to be an indication at all. The only really big example we have is Agabus. He's defined as a prophet by the way he is from the church in Jerusalem. Yeah. Or as we know, he never left the church in Jerusalem. Uh, and he prophesied a famine that was going to come in Judea. Mm-hmm. And much of Acts, I say much of Acts, a good portion of Acts is based on Paul and Barnabas and others. I'm sure we have a record of them yeah. going to churches, getting financial relief for the famine that's coming. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, and so they, they obviously he had a word about the future and it came to pass. Sure. And uh, and then the only other time where he's ever mentioned is in relation to Paul. Uh, I guess after uh, his third missionary journey, he's in the house of Philip the Evangelist. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he comes down there and gives him a word of something that's going to happen to him in Jerusalem and, and demonstrates it on himself <laughs> yeah. with a belt. You know, on him, it tied his own, Agabus tied of his own hands, you know what I mean, and, and did that. And uh, But that word to Paul was not a word that he didn't know ahead of time. It was a confirmation. He already knew what waited for him in Jerusalem. In fact, that all had to do with the word that I'm sending you to Rome. Yeah. Well, the way to get there is you got to get arrested in Jerusalem <laughs> yeah. to, to get there. And uh, and uh, so, so yeah, the, the prophet's ministry. And let me say this, and this is a... Um, and I, and I can't remember exactly where in Amos it is, but there is a portion in Amos that you know, God doesn't do anything until unless he tells the prophets first. Mm-hmm. That is, I don't even know how to, to illustrate how silly that is. Okay. To use that in a New Testament sense. Yeah. Yes, that is true in the Old Testament. Yes, certainly. Is that a New Testament concept? No, it is. No. And when we have people claiming to be prophets yeah. and they want to use that to justify what they're doing, they need to think about that because in Amos's day, if you prophesied falsely, you could be stoned. Yes, absolutely. And I don't think anybody wants to be stoned today if they get a prophecy wrong. And there's no call for that in the in the, in the yeah, New Testament. Exactly. Right? And uh, so I, you know that's a strange thing, and we have. We've had a lot of people uh, of recent that have prophesied falsely uh, about President Trump and, and things like that. And, and that may irritate some people that listen to that. But the truth is, it is false prophecy because yeah. it didn't happen. Well, okay. b- bottom line, what did you say? Well, you said, oh, this is going to come to pass. Yeah. Does it come to pass? Well, no. Then guess what? It's not right. It's not no. truth. And it may not be that someone's trying to deceive someone. I, once again... Uh, what did we talk about before? You know, using proper hermeneutics. And what mm-hmm. is hermeneutics? That is uh, studying a passage out in its context. Who wrote it? Who was it written to? What are the cultural backgrounds? What what was the area, the time frame? Everything like that. Yeah. By the way, all those things are knowable today, thankfully, to the internet. Yes. And uh, and you know, you don't just <laughs> have to go get a bunch of old books to figure that out. Yeah. And uh, you want to know what you know? What was the first century A.D. look like? Well, you can find that out from all kinds of perspectives. Yeah. And uh, and you know, and so then you apply it from an exegetical standpoint. Well, okay, now I take all that information I got there. What 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 does that mean to me, and how does that apply? 
And I've always taught everybody that if it means something different for, to you than it did for them, then you have missed something in your application. Yeah. Now, it may apply It may apply a little differently because we're living in 2022 yeah. in the sense that when I say apply differently, I'm just saying, you know, it, instead of a buggy, we may have a, a, a car, you know, in that yeah. sense of the word. But uh, but what but, but the thing is, proper hermeneutics will keep you from being deceived. Sure. And even this passage in Ephesians four, mm-hmm. you would no longer be children tossed to and fro with every, every wind of doctrine. Yeah. yeah, you know, and and then that's and then that's what part of what happened there, and uh, and it's not that. I, it's not so much that I fault anybody for being wrong about that thing with President Trump. Yeah. Anybody can be wrong. What I don't have any tolerance for is those who continue to beat that drum. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and you know, and, and everybody's, there's even some that are saying he's, President Trump's going to be reinstated in March. Yeah. And, and all. it's not going to happen. Yeah. It, it's, it's crazy. It's, and, uh, and where all that comes from is a lack of proper hermeneutics of Scripture. We don't study the Word of God properly mm-hmm. and, uh, and don't apply it properly. And if we did, there would be a warning bell sure. that would go off. And, and as it relates to prophets, you know, uh, that, that's, that's all. I'm always leery of anybody that wants to call themselves a prophet. I, I, yeah. I like to think in terms of you have a gift and people recognize that, that's a prophet. Yes. David Wilkerson was a prophet. Yes. By the way, David Wilkerson never called himself a prophet. Mm. Never. Not one time. He said, I am a watchman. I don't call myself a prophet. That's a prophet. Okay. That's a man of God right there. All right. And uh, not these self-appointed people. That's right. Okay, and we're, we're gonna we'll, we'll we'll come back around to another question about that in the same in just a minute. But let's let's go on and say what is an evangelist? Well, Billy Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Graham is probably one of the best examples of a scriptural proper evangelist in our time. Yeah, and, and, and if you look at Philip, he's the only defined evangelist that we have. Mm-hmm. And uh, he starts out being a deacon in the church in Jerusalem. Um, eventually goes to Samaria as a deacon. I mean, he's not, I mean, but when you begin to see the evangelistic gift flow through him, and then later he's identified as an evangelist. But what, what did he do? He went to Samaria, and it says he preached Christ to them. He pre- preached Christ. And the, the, that word uh, in the Greek uh, was euangelion. Uh, uh, for the pronunciation there, yeah, the, but what what it means is he brings is a bringer or a one who preaches or proclaims the good news yeah. or what we would call the gospel message. Right. So an evangelist brings the gospel message, leading people to Christ, and then pointing them towards a local church. Yeah, and you know, interesting about that situation. If you study that in Acts 8, all of a sudden, um, people are being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's obvious mm-hmm. in the context. Sure. Uh, not just miracles and things like that, but people being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I, no, I take it back. No, they're being healed, and um, and, uh, and miracles are happening. 
And so what happens is that uh, Peter and John come down from the church in Jerusalem mm -hmm. to see this meeting. Apparently they were invited. They pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Okay. After they, you know, they've been baptized, they've been, they've been, they've been, they've been you know, professed Christ. And that gets in that real interesting thing right there about, uh, uh, the, I can't even think of, oh, what, what's the guy's name there? Uh, the, the 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 former sorcerer Simon oh yeah, Simon the, the yeah Simon the sorcerer yeah yes. he, he's the one and uh, and he kind of gets a scathing word uh -huh. from an apostle <laughs> yeah and uh, for Peter and uh, but uh, but that but, but what I find fascinating there is is that that revival was never separated from the church in Jerusalem mm -hmm. yeah um, okay. So an evangelist, he's out there preaching the, the, the gospel, and that's his message. Okay, I, 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 we're going to try to avoid going deep into these, but the, the thing is, is that the evangelist's message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. Um, and we'll talk about that as we get into that area, because there's a lot of evangelists, quote unquote, preaching all sorts of stuff out there. That has nothing to do, or actually is very a sideline yes. from the gospel. And anyway, but we'll we'll get into that as we go. And then uh, let's let's tackle this last one: pastors slash teachers. Yes, and uh, you know the pastor, in a, in a sense, is the overseer, uh, mm -hmm. a shepherd, shepherd, uh, yeah. a person that that that's what they do. I mean, their job is to teach and to minister to the body of Christ, to equip them. They're part of that five-fold ministry, equip people so they can do works of service mm -hmm. and, uh, and and so that they can be built up, you know, so everybody can be built up uh, in their faith. And uh, But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, you know, and once again, that what, what does the pastor do? He's there to protect the flock. He's there to, he's there to, to make sure that everything's okay, you mm -hmm. know, and, uh, uh, we got examples of Jesus and his ministry with sheep and, and doing that. And, and, uh, and, I, and, I, and I think those things are directly, you know, applicable. I mean, even if we were to look at David, you know, uh, watching his father's sheep and, um, uh, you know, he talks about uh, killing a bear and a lion. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, so not only was he watching those sheep, but he was protecting them as well. And, yes. and that's what I believe a pastor does from that standpoint. That's a good analogy to use mm -hmm. is that you're taking care of sheep and you're ministering to them. And on the other hand, if there are wolves, if there are other things that want to come in, mm -hmm. your job is to protect them from it. Absolutely. So, so the pastor, you see there's pastors in churches today. So we have uh, every church should have a pastor. Now, the thing is, is that pastor has to have that pastoral role because I, I would just, and I'm, I'm thinking about an analogy of a prophet trying to fit as a pastor. Uh, that would be, that would, it's not that it couldn't happen, mm -hmm. it, but it would, it would take a very unusual kind of person uh, to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that can have disastrous results. What, what I, I, I gave an illustration years ago. I said, you got a mountain, and the goal is to get all the church members up the mountain. Well, can the prophet do it? 
yeah, he probably can, but about half or more people die because it's going to be, let's go, let's go. He, yeah. He's not going to be patient at all. He's just going to get them up there. That's a kind of a pastor. It's going to take him a little longer to get on top of that mountain, but he's going to get everybody up there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so and it's, so, yeah, exactly. It, it, so, and that's not, not a slam on a prophet. No. That, that's just, that's not his role. Yeah. And, 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 but, and they have to be aware of it. And okay, let's, let's, let's go ahead and segue to teachers. Um, a teacher, you know, when I, I say, well, I had many teachers when I went to school, okay? And they called themselves the teachers. That's what their profession was. How does teaching and teachers apply to the church? Well, you, if you're going to disciple anybody, you're going to have to teach them. Yes. I mean, if you can go all the way back to the, the passage there in Matthew where he says, you know, uh, you know, all power has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore and make disciples, make disciples of all nations, nations. teaching them uh-huh. to observe all things that I've commanded you. So you you can't make a disciple without teaching. Mm-hmm. You got and obviously what what are we talking about on teaching? Well, we're talking about teaching God's word, and uh, and, and 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 doing that. So when I yeah teaching discipleship, proper doctrine. Yes, proper doctrine. And that is that is so important, uh, you know. And uh, yeah, you, you know, this will apply. And and, and I, you know, I, I sometimes I don't like sharing these things when I know we're going to have a bunch of people outside the church here that hears it. Sure. But uh, but uh, you know, I, first of all, let me before I say this, I want to make it very abundantly clear: I am not a prophet. I don't claim to be a prophet. No. I don't want to be a prophet. Okay. okay. So uh, in the uh, the runoff for the presidential election. Um, this would have been this would have been um, somewhere before uh, there's any any conventions or anything of that nature. So I guess this would be what 2020 maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, well, the election was in November of 2020. 2020, right? 2020. So this would have been like in january february before there's any conventions i mean we pretty much all knew that joe biden was going to be it he was the assumptive you know uh, democrat uh, uh, president Mm -hmm. and uh and you know and i and i I, like i said i go to a a doctor's office with a family member and this was during the height of the COVID stuff yeah so i'm sitting in an office uh, in the in the reception room is small and uh and I got a mask on. I don't know why there's nobody in there. Yeah. But anyway, but you had to have a mask on. And uh, and so I pick up, I, and I believe it was a People's Magazine, and it had a, a forecast on President Trump. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and and the thing there said in the, you know, the presumption, the presumptive uh, nominee Joe Biden. Yeah. Or, or, or anyway. And I had an unusual experience without getting into all of that because that, that's, neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, a revelation, and that's the only way I can put it. I just knew something. I would call that a a word of, uh, well, this would have been a, a word of wisdom yeah. defined in 1 Corinthians 12. Yes. In other words, a understanding of something that's going to happen. Sure. Okay. Not all, it's a word. It's a fragment. It's not everything. It's just what's going to happen. And, uh, and what the Lord revealed to me and, uh, and it's still as real right now as it was in. And that is the, and I use words to describe it because I have no other way to, to, to do it. Okay. And that was that, uh, Joe Biden 
will be the next president of the United States. Mm -hmm. And when that happened, that was a revel. The no, I just knew that like I knew myself. Yeah. And I immediately said, no. <laughs> of course you. <laughs> my the gutter, flesh was weak, brother. <laughs> my guttural reaction was no. And so anyway, uh, I told the family member what happened. Uh -huh. when I seen them, I, the first person I told. And then I told my other family members and, uh, and just a few other people. This is not desirable. We were in Texas. This is not desirable oh, information. Oh, I'm sure it wasn't. And, uh, and, you know, and I never had God ever say anything or reveal anything like that to me about a presidential election. Hope he never does again. Anyway, and so, unless it's good news. Uh, so, you know, I sat there and, er and, and every family member I had had a visceral reaction to it. Oh, I bet. I even had a few get mad at me over it. Oh, yeah. And, and by the way, I voted for Donald Trump. Yeah. I don't mind telling anybody I voted for him in 2016, and I voted for him in 2020, yeah. and I wanted so badly to be wrong Yes. about this. I wanted to maybe, I knew what, I knew my experience. Now, here's the point of why I share that. Mm -hmm. Probably about two or three months after the election, I had, I had been asking the Lord, why did you do that? Yeah. Why did you share that with me? I'm not a prophet. No. Why would you? I mean, what possible? It's caused me nothing but pain. Mm -hmm. And that's what I, I've been telling the Lord. And so we were in a prayer meeting. And I'm not thinking about this at the moment. And the, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. When I say he spoke to me, I'm not saying it out loud or audibly, but it was real enough to me. And, uh, and he said the reason why that I revealed who the next president will be of the United States is so that you would know mm -hmm. who had God's word in their mouth and who did not. Wow. And I thought, that's a plumb line. Yeah. That's, that's, Absolutely. that's a litmus test. Um, and, uh, and so as a pastor, that's been, I, I have made it my policy to ask anyone that even wants to be a guest speaker here, you know, you know, that, that question. Yeah. You absolutely. know, you know, did, did you, did, you know, anyone that prophesied that he was, he was going to be, that Donald Trump was going to be reelected as far as I'm concerned, I have God's word in their mouth. No, they didn't. And, uh, I mean, that's just self-evident, uh, yeah. but, uh, but anyway, but as a pastor and as a teacher, that's part of their responsibility is to be able to walk with God so that if they need to get something from the Lord to protect their people, mm -hmm. they can. And that is, you know, great analogy. Yeah. So and that God actually utilizing that word of wisdom, word of, I don't know what he would call it. Yeah, just a word, word of wisdom to say just, that you knew inside that no, it's it going to be. revelation. That's what it was. It's revelation. And, and it's, you know, that it's going to be. And then using it as, like you said, the plumb line yeah. to be able to protect your flock from, frankly, false prophets. Exactly. And uh, and I have had no problem uh, asking, you know, where do you stand on the 2020 election? Mm -hmm. Did Do you believe these other people who continually say that President Trump will be reinstated? Yeah. Or not? Now, I know there's... a. Jeremiah Johnson being one of them, he apologized immediately when that uh -huh. happened. 
I can respect that man. I can have him come and preach at our pulpit. He has admitted he was wrong. Yep. Anybody can be wrong. Yes. That's not the point. But this other stuff is just... Now, fr frankly, if I was wrong and pro prophesying something like that, I would be going probably uh, beginning before God and, of course, uh, repenting, you, apologizing, you would want and to trying be. to figure out why did I... So what kind of state was I in? Am I hearing right from God? I would start questioning my gift at that point. Well, see, my first indication of something along that line came in 2016. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and once again, I want to make it abundantly clear, I voted for Donald Trump twice. Sure. And I was happy when he won the first time, you know, in 2016. Uh, but somebody had played a video, and I'm almost sure I know the man's name, but I'm not going to say it. Mm. Uh, and he was out there prophesying that President Trump was going to win this election. And I'm going to be honest, it didn't look like he was going to win the election. All the polls. No, oh, of course. You know what I mean? And so, you know what I mean? He's prophesying this, and, the, and I had some family members listening to it. And, uh, and he was saying everything that I wanted to hear. I mean, you know, as far as that, uh, you know, because I knew it would be almost miraculous if he did win. Um, but something in my gut yeah. recalled from that. Not about him being president, but what that man was saying. Something about him was not right. I could, In fact, I walked away from it. I didn't say anything to anybody because mm -hmm. I just don't want to get into it. Because at that point, if you get other people, they're going to say, well, how do you know? I mean, it, it, we don't want to go there. You know, yeah. it's not yeah. a teachable moment. And, uh, and so, but, but, I, but I had a sense even then, didn't realize it until later, that uh, some of these people were just not their paradigm for hearing God was not was off. Yeah. Anyway, but well, you know, and it's it's a lot of it is desire. A lot of it is you know, we as Christians, when it comes to politics, we as Christians, you know, we we get this this we get so involved in that when you know Jesus when and this is well I've said this before Jesus said. When they were asking him about paying his taxes, he said, give to Caesar what's Caesar, yes. give to God what's, what's God's. God. He literally made a distinction or a separation between the two. And the problem is, is that when all of a sudden these two start, the, the politics and their, uh, you know, Christian walk or whatever you want to call it, start intersecting. There's going to be some issues because I'm going to tell you what, uh, there was a lot of people running around when Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylon. Yeah. They, they, you know, and uh, what about um, Daniel? Yeah. And Daniel, he didn't want to eat the king's meat. You right. know, he, they all oh, will bring you in here and give you all eat so you look good and you're healthy and all that. And he says, no, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And you see, there you have to be able to make it a distinction or, or a, a stand, shall we say, as a Christian, no matter who is president. Well, another way to look at it is, look at the Apostle Paul. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the emperors of Rome is, uh, I believe it was Dominican, anyway, is the one that ordered his execution eventually. Yes. He doesn't get involved in that. In fact, the only thing he writes to Timothy about is we pray for people who are in authority, kings, and for those are people who are in authority over us. Mm -hmm. We pray for them. If Paul were living in our day, 
and he saw a lot of what's happened in the last four to five years. Well, really, you can go all the way back to Ronald Reagan's when oh, a lot yeah. of this stuff started oh, happening. He, I think he would just be dumbfounded. Oh, absolutely. I, he, I, and I, he I would probably down. say something like this, Joe Biden, you think that's bad? <laughs> try Nero, try, try. try Dominican, try some of these people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, in, in like Nebuchadnezzar, and this goes back to Hermeneutics again, and, and this is one of my pet peeves, and it's just mine, and so if anyone's listening, they just forgive me for having a pet peeve, but I get so tired of hearing this little scripture where it, it's out of Jeremiah, and, uh, and it says, you know, I know the plans that I have for you, Mm -hmm. You know, plan to, for good, good to, not you know, for not, bad. Yeah, not for bad, to give you an expected end and all this other stuff. Uh -huh. And I'm like, wow. I asked someone one time, uh, a person one time, I said, do you have any idea what the context of that is? They said, and I can see it. They never thought about it. Mm -hmm. I said it was a letter that Jeremiah wrote to people in Babylon. And what he told them was, and this is, this captivity is going to go on for 70 years. Yes. And he wrote to them, and it was a letter to tell them to support the city of Babylon, to be good citizens, mm -hmm. to have children while they're there, build houses, be productive while they're there. And in that context, he prophesied. I know that I had the pl the plans I had for you. Yes. And those plans weren't. I'm going to deliver you out of Babylon. Yeah, you're going to no. die there. Uh -huh. You're going to literally live <laughs> at least to the people that it was written to. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and so it, it wasn't a promise of I'm going to get out of all my trouble. Mm -mm. It was that God was going to help you in your trouble. Yes. Yeah. You know. It's, I, I just it's just so it's, strange. Again, because, it's the whole. We talk about her. We talk about. <laughs> Going back and actually reading scripture in its context, yes, and not trying to piecemeal yeah. things around there. Okay, let's so let's let's go ahead and so we we've we've taken a look at an apostle going out. He's starting a church. He's starting a work. The prophet who you know this is one other question, real quick. In the New Testament, what is the purpose of prophecy or the prophet in the New Testament? Well, I think I think it's twofold. I mean, the Acts thirteen passage says teacher, prophets, and teachers. Yeah. And then we see Agabus being an example. Uh -huh. uh, I mean, I think the prophet was uh, to give warnings from the Lord. Warnings from the if, Lord. If, if 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 it was necessary, like the drought that's coming. Uh, he did minister to Paul, mm -hmm. so I, in that in that sense, I think there's also a teaching element because it's prophets and teachers. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody said, "Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul," <laughs> you know. So, uh, so there is some direction there. Is but, there a corrective? Yes, I, I do believe there is, uh, because I think there are elements of the Old Testament prophet that is true in the in the New Testament, mm -hmm. and uh, and that is that there there should be. A certain, uh, you know, corrective measure. Okay. You know, if if the church is going in the wrong direction, and you know, David Wilkerson was probably a prime example of that, um, of of a man that that could speak. Now he was a part of his uh, of the church there at Times Square Church in New York, mm -hmm. but but he could speak to the nation and sometimes even the world. Yeah. And 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 really just uh, 
bring people back to, to a ground foundational setting yes. of where we ought to live and how we ought to walk. I used to get this, you probably did too, you used yeah. to get this little thing. Some yeah. of the most positive, encouraging messages, yes. Yes. sometimes a little corrective, Yeah, but it was always good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay, that, that, that the, pos- the prophet, then the evangelist who is bringing the good news, getting that message of the gospel out to people so that they can in turn get saved and be added to the church and kind of, kind of uh, then they have to go to church. Uh, and then you got your pastors slash teachers who are shepherding the flocks that are established in the church and teaching sound doctrine. Yes. <laughs> That's always sound, sound doctrine. doctrine. <laughs> okay, and then of course, verse 12 says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. And we're, we're, we're going to kind of wind things up right now. I do have uh, one last question. Let me see if I have a little bit of time. I do. One last question. And what I've seen, what we have seen online, and and actually I've seen this in the church even before online, that the, these people would come out and they would give a little test or a quiz to every person. And they would have to take this test to determine what office that they were supposed to be in. And this is, um, okay, in other words, the assumption of those tests was that every Christian had to be in one of those offices. And from what I'm reading here, some apostles, uh, what is your take on that, Pastor? Well, I mean, it's erroneous. I mean, it's uh, well, it's silly to be honest. Uh, I the only the only people that that should occupy the offices are those who are called by God. Yes. Not because they took a test mm-hmm. on an aptitude test and and, uh, and try to try to prove something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I, I'm not saying that people in the church cannot have in some sense a certain type of gifting uh, that, that wouldn't stand in an office, but, but would have a gifting. I've seen that with people that seem to be more, pro- have a little bit of prophetic to mm-hmm. them. They're not a prophet, but, but you see those type of uh, revelatory gifts that work yes. for them from time to time. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. You know what I mean? And, and it's hard sometimes to shepherd people like that because people will puff them up and that's God, but God knows what he's doing. You know, I have to, yeah. but, but no, but not everybody can be in these giftings because somebody has got to be the one equipped to do the work of the ministry. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the ideal, some are apostles, some are prophets, some are evangelists, some are pastors and teachers. Mm-hmm. Didn't say everybody said no. some. Yeah. The thing is, is if everybody was in an office, we wouldn't have nobody to minister to. No, no, we wouldn't. So, uh, and I think the distinction here is of an office or your your call to that office of that particular uh, prophet, apostle, whatever, versus having, like you said, a gift. Yeah. Gifted in that area. There's a lot of gifted teachers. Well, it's just the gifts of the Holy Spirit were given to the body of Christ. Yes. And there's nine manifestations that are listed. The first, the, the, the revelatory manifestations are a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, 
and discerning his spirits. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so, you know, the word of wisdom would be a revelation by the Holy Spirit concerning the divine purpose of God, or we could say the future. Sure. Uh, primarily, even though I think James, what he did there in that, that council and the advice he gave could be considered a word of wisdom. Mm -hmm. um, and then word of knowledge is same kind of revelation from the Spirit concerning certain facts in the mind of God, you know, things in the present or past. And uh, and then discerning of spirits is just really the ability by the Holy Spirit to see in the spirit world concerning yeah. dreams and visions and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and so what I'm saying is that you should have people in the church that can flow in some of these gifts. Yes. Now, the difference between a prophet and, say, a gifting, yeah, maybe God uses you from time to time in a word of wisdom, or maybe you have a dream that's a God dream, yeah. discerning his spirits. A prophet would would stand in all three of them. They, in other words, they would the gift the, the spirit of God would work in a word of wisdom, but he would also work in a word of knowledge, mm -hmm. and he would also work in the discerning of spirits because that's one of the big things with a prophet is uh, whether it's Old or New Testament is the dreaming yes. or the uh, or, or the vision. Mm -hmm. Peter's up on a housetop has a vision. vision. Uh, Paul had a, a, a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come and help us. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That Those are those are prophetic there. Okay. All righty. So, that, and I, I think there's a distinction and we have to make sure that we, you know, in, in, in our understanding that people will understand to distinguish between the two. Um, and not everybody is going to be a pastor of a church. Not everybody's going to be an evangelist. Not everybody's going to be a prophet or not everybody's going to be an apostle. We, we have to, you know, and, um, but we'll get into that as we, we, we go on. Now, uh, let me kind of give a, um, a kind of a, a preview or whatever, what we're going to be doing in the next episode or the next podcast. What we're going to do is we are going to take a look at these particular five or four to five uh, offices, and we are going to take a look at our modern day America and, and our modern day church and see how are they being used in the church today? Are they being used? How are they being used? And lastly, are they being done properly? And I'm going to tell you what, this is going to bring out a lot of things. This is going to bring out a lot of things about what is going on in the church today. Now, as an individual believer, you and I, we need to understand this because, uh, first of all, if you feel like you are called, or if you have some sort of feeling that you're calling, you need to know how to properly process that scripturally. And, um, you know, and uh, there's a lot of reasons. There's... <laughs> Uh, like I used to say, there's a, a lot of reasons why there are many denominations out there or there are many churches out there um, because people want, and, the, and then using that term renegade, um, I can think of one instance right now where an individual didn't like that he wasn't being used in the church. And so he went out and started his own church somewhere else. Is that the proper mentality, and is that the proper, uh, but that man not necessarily needed to go do that. No, it's, it's not. No, it's not even scriptural. That's, you know, I mean, the uh, church splits 
where churches begin. I, I can tell you one, a place where a church that split up over a, a sofa because they didn't know who owned the sofa. So they got <laughs> mad about it. And then two churches uh, popped up or, or were in that particular community. God doesn't, you know. That's not coming to the unity of faith. No. You know, I mean, that's, that's well, one of the statistics, I don't know if it still holds true, but it did at least uh, 10, or, uh, 10 or 15 years ago that over 85% of all new structures were the result of a church split or uh whether it was agreed upon or ugly mm-hmm. or whatever, that means that most all these churches you go see being put up, yeah, is because they had disagreement with where they were going. And I mean that's not that's not right. No. And the reason I I, did, I found those those statistics is because, like I said, when we built the church there in Dayspring, there in Santa Fe, Texas, yeah, and stuff, I I, I said you could be proud as a church if you want to, you'd be thankful for God. I said we're not building this new building as a split. Yeah. We're building this because we grew out of our old building and we need a new one. And I said, so we are one of the few in the proud. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that, that, that are doing this, and that's the glory of the Lord. You know, yeah. and, uh, and, you know, and then, uh, and then, well, okay, but, uh, we, we can get into that, but we're going to, we're going to dive into those, the, these five fold ministries. Are they being used? How are they being used? And, uh, in, in the church in America and in our churches today. And that's what we're going to deal about next time. Well, pastor, thank you. Thank you for being here, and thank you for uh, being a part of the podcast today. Uh, you're coming back for the next few that we we were as we dig deeper into this, and uh, we we encourage you if you have anything to say about it, you have some uh, some input. Go to feetontherock.org. Feetontherock.org, spelled just like it sounds, and uh, there's a comment section there. You can put a comment or whatever on there or, or um, and uh, we're going to be coming live with a Facebook uh, pretty soon here. We're going to have Facebook on there and we're going to be, uh, these particular episodes are going to be starting to be broadcast on YouTube as well on our channel uh, there on YouTube as well. So God bless you. Um, thanks for tuning in and we will see or we'll, uh, we'll be talking to you next podcast. God bless you now.